lasso. So after, over the last couple of days, we've kind of highlighted different aspects of a whole, of one, one practice, which is integrated and encompassing. And so you'll recall two days ago, I suggested that we highlight, we especially focus on the appearances that arise to awareness in the space of the mind, you know, that kind of come, present themselves to you. So I call them within the context of the mind, objective appearances. And these are again like images, discursive thoughts that just come to mind, right? So we did that. That's kind of the easiest thing to do, especially when you generate it yourself. Om, mani, peme, hung, in the mind. You see it plain as day. Much more challenging, but enormously important, uh, is what we did yesterday morning. And that is to seek to bring the same quality of still, unattached, non-grasping awareness to the subjective impulses coming up. Uh, some of them are quite beneficial, benevolent, good, wholesome. Wholesome intentions, wholesome emotions, wholesome desires, no problem. But of course, among those subjective impulses are also 84,000 different types of mental afflictions. Or, if you like three, that's good enough craving, hostility, and delusion. And to be aware of these, to develop an I-it relationship with them so that we're not simply caught in their grip. So we did that yesterday, but now, this morning, I'd like to highlight a third and then final point uh, of a practice that, again, when you're doing it fully, then you include all of these aspects. But I want to highlight this because it can be easily overlooked. And that is... This practice in the Galupa tradition is called Shamatha Focused Upon the Mind, Semle Mipishine. And I'm sure it's not the only tradition, it's a perfectly good name, Semle Mipishine. But then we ask, as someone did in Madison not too long ago, I just got an email, what's the reference when you say you're focusing on the mind, you're practicing Shamatha on the mind, what's the reference of the word mind? What am I supposed to look at? What am I attending to? Please tell me in clear words, what am I focusing on? Because we know in English, of course, this word mind refers to all kinds of things. Mind your head. You know, in England, mind your head. Oh, but, well, you know, I don't need to go on. We know this word has a lot of meanings and a lot of nuances, different meanings in different contexts. Even, oh, in the Galupa tradition, they'll call it innate mind of clear light. Well, as Hongan Dalai Lama said, that's the same as Rikpa. Okay, now it's mind, again, very subtle mind, Shintatawesem. And so, but now let's go back to our ordinary European languages, because I think what I'm about to say in English is going to be good for all the rest of the European. If it's not, just let me know. But as far as I know, we say in English, uh, these thoughts came to mind. This morning I was meditating and some thoughts came to mind, right? Or visualize this, oh yeah, I can see that in my, I can see that in my mind, I, I, I can see that. There's an image, or last night in my dream, these dreams came to mind, and all these dream appearances came to my mind. And so, in, 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 it's locative. The mind then becomes a place, a location, a domain. Well, of course, that's what we're calling space of mind. Space of mind. So this is why it's so important that when doing this practice, we're not simply attending to the events in the space. The objective appearances, the subjective impulses, both of those are very important, enormously important. But there are bound to be intervals, whether it's seconds or longer, in which, or during which, while we're attending to the space of the mind and its contents, at least for intervals, we're just not getting any contents. You're, just not see, you're not seeing any thoughts or images. You're not feeling anything particular coming up. It's just kind of all quiet on the Western front, all quiet on the Eastern front. Quiet, empty. And it's very easy at that time 
really easy just to slip into blank-mindedness. Now we'll see when, in, when we get to the next chapter. As I recall, Kamachamarambache makes quite a strong point of this, of don't get stuck there, don't be cultivating stupor. And this is not just for Westerners. This, you know, this is 17th century Tibet. That was a pretty good time in Tibet, in some ways. I mean, it was, every phase of history is complicated, but there was a lot of dharma in Tibet, a lot of really good dharma. There's a lot of other not-so-good stuff either, but that's just you know, human nature, human history. So, but not just resting there in a vacuity, not just resting there in a state of blank-mindedness without cognizing. So this raises the issue for this morning, and that is when there's no target, there's nothing Nothing that presents itself, either objectively, oh, gotcha, oh, money, or an image of a pineapple, oh, gotcha, got something to look at, or, oh, I'm feeling some sadness coming up, I'm feeling anxiety, okay, at least I know I have to, something I can, I can relate to, I'm attending to, the feeling of anxiety, of sadness, of joy, of surprise, or what have you. But what, what about those intervals, when there's no clear target, you're just em- left with an empty mind, does this mean that as you're attending to an empty mind, there is no cognizance? Because there's nothing to cognize. Thereon hangs the tail. So I'd like to illustrate this point in a non-trivial fashion, although it may appear kind of silly. But in fact, the underlying issue is not trivial at all. But for this, I want to very much include the people listening by podcast, because I'm going to do things with my hands here that you won't be able to see. But it's really simple. And so... Oh, I was thinking about the people listening by podcasts. I, mean, I don't really like the term podcasters. It sounds rather, I don't know, antiseptic? Not very podcasters. I don't know. It, it, it doesn't ring. So people listening individually, just, you know, in your own rooms quiet, they call you iPods. And then, and then collectively, when there's a group of you, WePods. <laughs> and then if there are young people in Scotland, we'll call you WePodies. I'm going to go on one more, but, but I need some help here. If you have a person carrying a portable device so they can listen to the, to the podcast while they're in motion, like in the car or jogging, what could we call those people? Any, any, any help here? How about no help at all? Porto potties? had to loosen you up a little bit. Okay. <laughs> of all the potters... Oh, and also... <laughs> <laughs> I just came across this morning. <laughs> it really got to me. But I understand in Darwin, they have some really cool beer parties where people really knock themselves out. So if you're, if you're listening from Darwin and you've just been on a binge, you're just called pods. And that means passed out drunk. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. It was, well, well, that's what a pod is. So welcome everyone from Darwin and from the University of Colorado in Boulder, University of Florida, and we can't let out, uh, forget, University of California, Santa Barbara, big party town, big party town. Okay, so podcasters of the world unite. So what I'm doing right now is just holding up my right palm. I'm, I have no sleeves. I'm just, you know, everybody here can see that. No, no sleeves, nothing up my sleeve. There are no sleeves. And I'm holding my palm out. 
And how many people know, here in the room, not from afar, how many people know that there's no chapstick in my hand? <laughs> and Lee and I definitely want a response from you. <laughs> okay, Roberta's holding, she's, she's thinking about invisible chapstick. I don't know what she's thinking. <laughs> But you're with me, aren't you, Lena? No. Okay. She's she's seeing it, and oh, going slowly. Oh, how many people know that there is no chapstick, no lip balm in my right palm? How many people know that? Know that. Okay. Okay. Now here we go. So the hands pretty much went up. Some people, I think, are maybe. Pot. <laughs> Pass out. I don't know. <laughs> okay, hand is still up. Now here, with a hand in, in clear sight. Okay, ready? I'm now closing my fist. How many people now know that there's no chapstick in my right hand? <laughs> You're wondering whether I'm Sai Baba, right? <laughs> Have some chapstick. <laughs> Well, you'd be right, of course, because I'm not Sai Baba, nor I'm any kind of magician at all. It's, you're quite right. But you knew that, with, with, you know, beyond all reasonable doubt, because how on earth would it get there? You know? So maybe I'm a magician, maybe I'm you know, a wonder worker, but it turns out, no, as expected. So, but you knew that, even though you couldn't see in my side, I'm, inside my hand, and a lip, a lip balm does fit inside, so you can't see it. We, we, already, we already went through that. So you know something isn't there. You know the absence of something. When you see it, you're seeing no, no chapstick. Don't you see? No, pump, no, chap, no lip balm, right? And you know still, even though you can't see it, beyond all reasonable doubt, no lip balm, right? So you're seeing an absence. You're knowing an absence. Okay? Now this is relevant. This is relevant here. That there is simply no lip balm. It's called a simple negation, or Jeffrey Hopkins, my old, uh, my old language teacher in Tibetan, a non-affirming negation, a non-affirming negation. It's just a sheer absence. No lip balm. Can you see no lip balm? Do you know, could you perceive no lip balm? Do you know it? Do you ascertain it? Are you sure of it? Do you realize no lip balm in my palm? And the answer is, yeah, you can see it, right? Simple negation. And now just a subtle variation on the theme, and then we'll get to meditation. And that is, how many of you can see, it's a rhetorical question, of course, but as I'm holding my palm up again, how many of you can see my, my palm with no lip balm in it? Yeah. My palm with an absence of lip balm, yeah. Well, now you're seeing, this is called then, what? An affirming negation in Jeffrey Hopkins terminology, and I simply call it, symbol negation is the first one, a symbol negation, simply not there, and this is a complex negation, because you are seeing my palm, which you are seeing something, that's a presence, but you're seeing the absence of lip balm. So you're seeing two things simultaneously. You're seeing a palm empty of lip balm. Right? Okay, so that turns out to be relevant here. When we're attending the space of the mind, when we're attending the space of the mind and its contents, and there don't seem to be any contents, what are you attending to? A simple negation. Are you, are you, number one, are you still ascertaining anything? If you're not, you're slipping into stupor, you're cultivating stupor, which can make, make you stupid. 
Okay, that's what happens with cultivation stupor, stupid, right? So if you're not ascertaining anything, then you're, you're walking backwards, you're, you're slipping back into stupor, right? So that's not it. We have to be ascertaining, as you can ascertain, the absence of, of lip balm in my, in my palm right now, you know that's true. There it is, now you see it, you perceive it. Right now you can't see it, but you can infer it. You can infer it with a strong inference. Now you see it, and now you infer it as I open and close my palm, right? And so, when you're attending to the space of the mind when there are no thoughts there, attending to a space with no thoughts, with an absence of thoughts, appearances, absence of activity within it, is that, are you attending to something that is devoid of something else? Like a palm empty of, lip balm, or are you attending to just a sheer absence, period? And a sheer absence has no qualities other than no lip balm. There's nothing more to be said, just no lip balm. And you realize that, and then you just stop, the guillotine comes down, no lip balm. <coughs> There's nothing more to know, sheer absence of lip balm, right? So the space of the mind, what is it? Is it a mere absence of appearances, absence of mental impulses, appearances, and so forth? Is it mere absence? Or is it a presence of a space of the mind devoid of activities within the space? That's a real question. That's not a rhetorical question. And that's not one just to get right because you got the right answer at the end of the book or you read ahead. Okay? This is something to explore. And the central point before we, and we're going to go in now momentarily is above all, sustain the flow of cognizance. Because if you're just sitting in there with a blank mind and you're kind of phasing out because your mind, is only, can, your mind can only maintain knowing when you have something chunky to grasp onto, something tangible, some target, then you're not going to go very far on this retreat from this point. Because it's going to get subtler. It's going to get subtler. And we're not going to have all those chunky things to attend to, real clear targets. And you'll never get to Rikpa. If you think is a real clear target you can hit with an arrow, forget about it. Right? No, not there. So we're, but we're taking this gently. We're just simply seeing if we can fathom, we can ascertain space of mind and see what kind of phenomena it is. So that's my question. I, I want to now be silent for the rest of the retreat. We'll do the devotions, we'll go to the retreat. I want to be quiet. But I'd like you then especially to attend to, take a special interest in those intervals between targets, between clear events taking place in the space of the mind. When they're, when they're there, attend to them, as you did before. But when you get those little intervals, now kind of take special interest, right? So there's Lena and there's Francesca. So target, target, and then I'm looking around at the interval and without looking behind, I'm just kind of looking into the space. Not even to, to Joe, correct? Joe? Not even looking. So right now, in this little you know, thought experiment, I'm really not attending. So there's Lena on my left, Francesca on my right, and I'm just bypassing Joe behind and just kind of looking and then looking at. There's an interval there, there's space. Does that space, is that space a mere absence of appearances, an absence of people and so forth, or does that space have qualities? That space between Lina and Francesca is devoid of any person. The space right between them, Joe's behind, but the space right between them is devoid of any person. Is that space a mere absence, or is it a complex negation, absence of people, absence of, of, of colors and shapes, but nevertheless, space having quality. Having quality devoid of people, devoid of color, devoid of shape. Just like if I look right in front of me, over here to 
Oh, oh what's her name? <laughs> Amy. Oh, Amy. So I'm looking right just in the space between. So Amy, the appearance of Amy is over there, and I have a sense of somehow nebulously being over here. But the space in between that I'm attending to right now, is that a mere absence of appearance, or does it have its own qualities? It's the same theme all the way across. Okay, So let's do the devotions. we we'll just go right through them, slip right into the practice, and then that will be the question. Take a special interest in the intervals between mental events, and see for yourself, is it a simple absence of appearances, or is it a space that has qualities that happens for the time being to be empty of appearances? There we go. Namo Lama Deshe Dupe Ku Kunjo Sungi Ranjin La Datan Dodu Semjin Nam Janju Badu Kapsu Chi Namo, in the Lama, who is the embodiment of the Sugatas, of the nature of the Three Jewels, I, together with the beings of the Six Realms, take refuge and tell our enlightenment. Semgen doa kundun du lama sangye dupne ni kangla kangdu tinle ki doa dewar damjao. For the sake of all beings, I generate the spirit of awakening and cultivate the realization of the lama as Buddha. By means of enlightened activity, I shall train each being according to their needs, and I vow to liberate the world. Yam-sen-cho-ki-mu-du-bne-pe-ma-ju-ne-she-su-ta-kodu-kan-ro-mam-bu-ko-ke-ki-je-su-ta-tu-ki-jing-ge-lap-chi-shek-su-su-guru-
permissível. Take the four empowerments, dissolve body, speech, and mind. If you'd like to switch positions, please do so now. Another thought came to mind, to my mind, and that is I'll give just a little bit of instruction. First of all, of course, subtle body, speech, and mind in the natural state. For a minute or two, calm and soothe the conceptual mind with mindfulness of breathing.
Let your eyes be at least partially open, softly open, relaxed. Blink whenever you feel like it. With your gaze vacant, your attention, your mental attention drawn away from the visual field to the mental field. Attend to the space of the mind and to whatever objective appearances and subjective impulses arise within that domain. Many of you by now have probably discovered, at least on occasion, that when you observe some appearance that arises in the space of the mind, a thought or an image, a memory, that the sheer act of observing it, taking note of it, on many occasions seems to obliterate it, make it vanish. So that's not the point or the purpose of this practice. But it does often happen. And as you become more relaxed, more at ease, and your gaze is softer as you attend to these events, they may not be quite so shy, so shy that they vanish under your gaze, but linger for a while, as if you're not there. As if you're not watching.
Now take a special interest in the intervals. It's a type of space-time interval without being esoteric about it. You are attending to a space between events, but also an interval between events. So you are attending to a type of space and an interval in time between distinct events. Attend closely now, with a subtle awareness, and with a question. Are you attending to a, to a mere absence, just the absence of appearances or events in the mind? Is that all? Is there nothing more to be said, nothing more to be observed than not there? Is the space of the mind nothing more than an absence of events within a certain domain? Just an empty room, and with no room, just empty. Is that the case? Or is this space of the mind, this dharmadhatu, a space that is on occasion empty and on occasion populated with appearances, thoughts, desires, and so on? Examine closely, observe closely. What do you see? A mere absence? Or do you also see a presence of something we may call the space of the mind?
If your experience is that you can actually attend to the space as something more than a mere absence of, th of thoughts and images, then examine closely, sharpen the vividness, the vividness, the acuity, the sharpness of your awareness, that third quality, relaxation, stillness, and vividness. Now sharpen the blade and attend closely to the space of the mind. with some simple questions. Here's one. That space, is it flat, like a movie screen, two-dimensional, or is it three-dimensional? Does the space of the mind have its own color? Is it black? Is it purple? Or white? Or is it transparent, having no color at all? Examine closely, with close perception, but also with intelligence. How big is it? Does it fit inside your head? Or go out just a meter or two outside your body? How big is the space of your mind? This is a matter of close observation, not thinking hard, trying to get the right answer. It has to be drawn from your own experience to be really meaningful. So we can ask, does the space of the mind have a shape? Is it spherical? Is it a cube? 
a pyramid? Does it have edges? Does it have a center? Raise the questions and then simply observe closely, not trying to figure it out intellectually, but observing closely with a question driving your observation. If you have indeed found the space of the mind to be three-dimensional, open, transparent, then examine closely, is it static? Is it a dead zone, inert? Or is it vibrant? Does it have a buzz, an energy? Here's a hypothesis. Test it with your experience. The hypothesis is that the objective appearance is arising. Arising from this space, emerging from the space, like bubbles from water. And they consist of nothing other than crystallizations of the space. like ice forming it within fluid water. And when these appearances fade away, they simply dissolve back into the space of the mind. Does that correspond to your experience or not? Check closely.
this flow of mental consciousness with which you are attending to the space of the mind and to events within it is said in Buddhist psychology to be synonymous, this term synonymous with sem, which means mind. But then all these subjective impulses that arise, these are called sem jung, they are mental emergences, they are impulses that emerge from the stream of mental consciousness and dissolve back into that stream, leaving their imprints behind. Is that true or false? Examine with your own experience. Now simply rest without questions in the stillness of your own awareness, illuminating the space of the mind and whatever arises within it. So my Lama Gyatso Rinpoche spent a good deal of time with his guru, Gyatso Dujum Rinpoche, who is the mind emanation of Dujum Lingba. And he commented, I don't know how he learned it, perhaps it was Dujum Rinpoche himself told him, that when Dujum Rinpoche would just be walking about, just doing ordinary things, like even walking through a mall, you know, sometimes needs to go shopping, uh, that just walking through a mall or on other occasions, his kind of baseline practice, kind of ground practice, ongoing practice, was resting, aw- resting his awareness in space. So he's walking through the aisles in a supermarket, and he's doing the shopping he needs. Here's tomato juice, here's this, here's that. 
But in the midst of all of that, which you can do right now, he really was aware of, at least peripherally, or secondarily, or implicitly, aware of space. So, for the moment, what we attend to is reality, right? William James. So if we ignore space, then all that will be real for us will be the contents, and we tend to reify them. As soon as we find a target, we tend to go, because the appearances, all of them, this is even true for audience. It's even true in a lucid dream. Appearances seem to be coming from their own side, even in a lucid dream. When you know they're not, they still seem to be really there. You come over to a wall in a lucid dream, and it looked like it's really there, and then you go, yep, it was. No, it wasn't. Strange, yeah, but it looked like it's over there. And I reach out, and yeah, it certainly seems to be there. But you're lucid, so you know it's not really there. But the appearances always appear as if something is really there from its own side. And so when we are attending to objects, objects, the natural inclination is not only to see them as objects, but to reify them as objects, as existing from their own side, by their own inherent nature. Whereas when we attend to, if we really bring this into the practice, and just now streaming in between formal sessions, streaming with the awareness of really being aware of space, it's hard to, I mean, it's not impossible to reify, but it's harder. Because what's your target? What do you can grasp onto? It's really there. And you know, of course, as you're attending, as I look at, this, at the pink, pink sweater of Lina, I mean, I know, I know beyond any reasonable doubt that that pink color that I see is not in the atoms. I know this from all the education I've had and from the Buddha Dharma I practiced and studied. The pink color that I see of her sweater, it's not there in the atoms or the fibers of the sweater. It's not an objective reality. The physicists all say that, the neuroscientists all say that, and the Madhyamikas all say that as well. It's not there objectively. The pink is not there. It's not, it seems to be there. It seems to be an attribute of her sweater over there, right? See, look, look at it, there it is, right? And her sweater is over there. Her sweater's not inside my head. And her sweater's not inside my mind either. Somebody made her sweater. It's made of molecules. That's very true, of course. Nobody's denying sweaters. Any more than, as my teacher told me, don't, don't deny atoms. So yeah, it's quite true. Her sweater's over there. But how do I know about her sweater? By the appearances, and the appearances exist no place other than space of my mind. The colors are not out there. They appear to be, and they're not. So this means if the color, as I'm gazing about four meters away, the color of the sweater there, if that pink color is not really over there, it appears to be, but it's not really over there, in physical space outside my head, and it just isn't. I think the whole scientific community agrees on that point. And so do the Majimikas and so forth, in the Buddhist views. Then the pink color there, since it's not arising in physical space, outside my mind, is arising at its appearance inside the space of my mind, inside Dharma Datu. Because bear in mind, I'm mentally attending to the pink color or not, just visually. So the pink color is also arising within Dharma Datu, which means it's not out there. Can't be. Right. So if that's not out there, then the space in between, where I am over here and the pink color over there, the space in between is also not physical space. They can't get physical space between my awareness and some appearance over there that's inside the space of my mind. How would you get physical space inside that? That's not going to be possible. So the space that I'm attending to is that right now I'm looking at, at Nina's sweater and the color of her sweater and so forth. 
I'm also aware of the space in between, that space that I'm seeing right now between the appearance of that pink and where I seem to be over here. That, of course, is a space of my mind. That's Dhammadhatu. So rest your mind in Dhammadhatu all day long. And don't reify it. Follow in the, footsteps, follow in the footsteps of Dujum Rinpoche. He'll take you to Dujum Lingba. Dujum Lingba will take you to Padmasambhava. Padmasambhava will take you to your own pristine awareness. Follow the breadcrumbs. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>